0: would let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there be any, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory but in lowliness of mind to let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And he says, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, But he made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And the result of all this, wherefore God God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do. Of his good pleasure. I just want to speak this morning for a few minutes. I'm just entitled the message, True Humility. Paul speaks of esteeming others better than ourselves. Apart from God's grace, we are so filled with pride. Why would we consider somebody else when all we're really concerned about is ourselves? But he said we should seek to esteem others better than ourselves. Paul said one time, this is the great apostle Paul. He said, I am less than the least of all saints. That's us. Why would God come to this world to save sinners? Why would he come? We, can be sh- we should be concerned about the needs and the concerns of others. That's one reason he came. He had to, or we had no hope. We had no hope. Pride results in our quarrelings and contentions. Pride destroys the unity of the church. Let us have, he said, let us have the mind, the attitude of Christ, and esteem others better than themselves. He, when he was when he was reproached or reviled, he reviled not again. When they took him to Crucify him and scourge him. He opened not his mouth. He he didn't say, why are you doing this? He didn't say, I don't deserve this. He never said a word. Why? To save his people. So let's just begin there in verses. We'll primarily be looking at verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus in 1 Corinthians 2.16. It says we have the mind of Christ. By nature, our minds are darkened. By By nature, all we have is foolish thoughts. The thought of foolishness is sin. How can we think this way? He must give us the mind of Christ, the understanding, the attitude. And it is an attitude. I didn't know if Jeff was going to read it or not when he turned over to Matthew 11, but our Lord said, Father, you've hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and you've revealed it unto Mabes. But he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. And apart from that, That lowliness and meekness, which only God can produce, there is no rest. Meek and fine. He said, you shall find rest for your soul, and that's where the rest is at. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew Henry said, if we were lowly-minded, we should be like-minded. Our example in everything is our Lord. We may pick out someone else, but they've all got flaws just like we do. But he is our example. You want to see what humility is? Look at him. You want to see what sacrifice is? Look at him. Look at everything. Any question you can ask, look to him. He's he's the answer. But here in these verses, it speaks of a form of God. He was made in, in form of God. He took upon himself the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men. And then he was found in fashion as a man. Who being in the form of God. Well, we know God is the spirit. No man can see God and live. But God manifests himself. In Christ, who is the word of God, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. But what this is speaking of, this is speaking of his eternal existence of Christ, our Lord, from all eternity. He didn't just begin when he was born. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I was with him As one brought up with him, I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. He always existed. You've heard me say, who was it that came to Adam and Eve in the garden? That was Christ. Who was it that came to Abraham? That was Christ. He came. He came. But not like he came here. He was in the form of God, not in in the physical shape. In his essence, he's God. He never ceased to be God. He didn't begin to be God. He was always God. Let me tell you what Mr. Gill said, who being in the form of God. This form is to be understood not of any shape or figure of him, Here's where men mess up. What is God like? So men try to imagine what they think God is like. What we know about how God is and why God does things as he does, and we find it in his book, which is what? The word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Our Lord said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, the form is to be understood not of any shape or figure of him, for as such is not to be seen. It is not to be supposed of him or any accidental form, for there are no accidents in God. Whatever is in God is God. Whatsoever is in God is God. He made man in the likeness of God. He didn't make man a God. We're going to see that's what happened. Adam, Satan lied and he said, you can be a God knowing good and evil. Adam was not a God. And men still think that, don't they? They think that they are God. And the reason they think that, they have never been given an understanding of who God is. Here, he is the I am what I am. And so is his Son, which is and was and is to come. The fountain of all created beings, who created everything, Christ did. God said, Well, how does God speak? No man can see God and live, no man can hear God in his true essence and stand who can stand before a holy god it is christ that speaks which is and was and is to come the fountain of all created beings nor does it intend any outward representation and resemblance of him the form of god is to be understood of the nature and essence of God and describes Christ as he was from all eternity. What was he? He was in the form of God. And you think about that. For all eternity? And he would come here? Who we being in the form of God? God? Just as the form of a servant signifies that he was really a servant. And the fashion of a man in which he was found means that he was truly and really a man. He was God. He didn't begin to be God. He was God. And we're going to see he was man. He didn't just appear to be a man. He was man. God intends that he was really and truly God and that he partook of the same nature with the Father and was possessed of the same glory from which, from which it appears that he was in the being before his incarnation. We're going to say, this God? What's Emmanuel? God with us. God with us? that he existed as a distinct person from God his Father in whose form he was and that as a divine person as is truly God being in the glorious form, nature, and essence of God and that there is but one form of God or divine nature in essence common to the Father and the Son and the Spirit so that they are not three gods but one God. Explain it. I can't but that's what it is. God the Father chose in Ephesians 1 the Son of God redeemed those for whom the Father chose then the Holy Spirit of God he's God he's not trying to be God he's God. He takes the things of Christ and reveals them unto you and he draws you and he brings you to Christ. He don't speak of himself. He speaks of him. We don't worship three gods. One God You'll notice on the front of the bulletin a statement. I think it was made by Spurgeon. We worship him in the trinity of his person who being in the form of God. You know what? Say, preacher, I can't understand that. Well, you're in good company. (laughs) If you could understand it, you've got to be a real little bitty God. The vastness of God. The greatness of God, the holiness of God. You know why Christ, Christ came? Because he was ordained to come. And he came because the first man, Adam, said, I want to be God. And he's not God. And in that garden, God said, the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. That's the promise. As Adam represented all men, Christ our Lord represents all his elect. He said he was in the form of God. he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In John 17, verse 4 and 5, this is the high priestly prayer of our Lord. When Christ our Lord is praying... He says in verses 4 and 5 of John 17, I have glorified thee on the earth. I finished the work which thou gavest me to do. That's when he came. He came to do a work. He came as God's righteous servant to do a work that was committed unto his hands. You know what he had to do? Save his people. Not try to save them. Not attempt to save them. He came to save them. And now, Father, glorify me, thou me, with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was ever made. And he did. Although Christ being essentially essentially one with God, Christ did not seek to obtain by force that which was rightfully his, as Adam did. He didn't try to take it. He didn't consider it robbery to take what was not rightfully his. It was his. It was rightfully his. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And man, since the garden, has tried to be equal with God. Are you as perfect as God? Are you as holy? That's what God requires. To be equal with God, not robbery, to be what? Equal with God? Adam tried to take that which was not theirs, and men still do. They try to take what's not theirs. The glory is his. Why is it men try to, you know what their main objective is? Their main objective is to rob the Lord Jesus Christ of his glory. He, who gets the glory and salvation? Not you. Him. Who planned, who purposed, who elected a people? God did. How did he elect them? He elected them in Christ. They were given to Christ before the foundation of the world, before anything was ever made, before Adam ever failed, before sin ever entered into the world. Let me tell you some news. Men are not God. And he'll never be God. And we as children of God, we have a a divine nature, but we will never be gods. We are his servants. We are made holy. We are justified in his sight. But he's not going to make us little gods. We're not little gods. He did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped or asserted as if he did not already already possess it, or he was afraid, or he was afraid of losing it. Adam lost it. You can look at that two or three different ways. He really lost it. You go, what was he thinking? Well, you, you see people, they're not acting right. They say, well, he lost it. That's what Adam did. He lost it, and he lost it. He lost fellowship with God. He lost communion with God, and God drove him out of that garden. Lost it. He had a righteousness and lost it. He had fellowship, communion, and he lost it. Well, how can we have fellowship with God? How can we be righteous in God's sight? That's what we're going to look at. Verse 7. This who was made who was in the form of God who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, verse seven, he made himself of no reputation. Who made who? He made himself. The word made there means that he emptied. Himself. well how can he come to this world if he'd come in all his glory no man couldn't have stood it we would have all died you remember on the mountain when God's glory was manifested on that mountain he said don't even let an animal touch this mountain inside that tabernacle On the holies of holies where God appeared to man in his glory. He said, don't you come in here. Only the high priest and that with blood. So he emptied himself. He voluntarily stripped himself of all privileges and all rightful dignity. A lot of times he'd heal people, Bertie, and he said, don't tell nobody. You know what we would have done? We want you to tell everybody. We want you to shout it from the mountains. No, he knew what was in man. He knew why they would follow him. But he made himself of no reputation. Oh, he had a reputation all right. They called him a friend of publicans and sinners. They said he's a wine bibber. You know what that is? He's a wino. He's somebody always wanting to sit around and drink wine. And he's a wino. He's probably born to fornication. His mama was not married to Joseph when she conceived. That's what kind of reputation he had. He's a liar and he's a cheat. That's what they said. Does your master pay taxes? Well, sure he does. But you see, you know what we were you know what we're concerned about? Our reputation. Most people I know, you know, they love studying genealogies. Well, I, I can take you back to every one of us. We all come from the same dunghill. <laughs> Adam and Eve. That's where we come from. Men don't like to be told that we're nothings. But you think of this, he voluntarily, I love that picture when, when, David's friend, Jonathan, comes to David, and David knows, I mean, Jonathan knows that David is rightful king, and you know what he does? He pulls pulls off his vest, he, he pulls off his sword, he pulls it all up, and he said, You're David. I'm not king, you are. I'm not king, you are. And our Lord laid it all aside. He came... That's how he came. He he had to lay it all aside. He that was rich became poor that we might be rich. You couldn't come to where he was at. He told us to stay out. He drove Adam out of the garden. He must come to where you are at. And you were a beggar, a poor beggar. Was you born in a cow stall? No, he was. Was you when you were two years old? Was you chased like a dog, trying to a man trying to kill you? No, he was. Have you worked with your hands and dust all your life till you're thirty years old? He did. Always being misunderstood, he was. The glory of our Lord's divine nature was covered and out of sight. Like I said, like the tabernacle in the Old Testament, you know all you saw from the outside was badger skins. Ugly, drab badger skins. There was no beauty about him that you would desire him. If you were picking something out of the crowd, say, can you pick out Christ out of that crowd? You'd have never picked him. He's despised and rejected of men. We know there was a few instances to very few people. John says we beheld his glory. They saw, he he transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration and his, his face was as bright as the sun. They got just a little glimpse, but most people didn't. Why, he hid it. He hid it. And it's not even today. Unless you see his glory, you'll perish. That's right. Unless you see his glory. Most said, show me your glory. His glory is in his goodness. He makes his glory, and you see him. You, and how will you see him? You will see him by the eye of faith, and you will behold him in all his glory. What does that mean? Who he is. You will see him as king. You will see him as the one who came to where you were and saved you. That's what you'll see. And what that is, that's his grace. His goodness, his glory is in his goodness. His goodness. God's glory, even today, is hid from most men. He's hid these things from the wise and the prudent. And he's revealed it unto babes. So he took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He took, he took upon himself the form of a servant. You know what that word servant is? It is a bond slave. Now, there were a lot of people that were slaves, and they were slaves to their masters for a certain period of time. If they were there for seven years, say, for instance, seven years, at the end of seven years, they could go free. Their debt was paid or whatever, but till then, they couldn't go free unless he was a bond slave. A bond slave is someone who, when he came, he didn't have anything. His master gave him a wife, and he had children through that wife. Now, he can leave. He can leave now. But he has to leave alone. He can't take his wife and he can't take his children with him. And you know what he says? I'm not going out alone. I love my master. He's a good master, he's the best master I could ever serve. And I love my wife and I love my children. And you know what Christ said? Bore my hole, a hole in my ear, and I will wear, and I will wear that for all eternity. But sees it knows what he's a bond slave. He loves his father, he loves his word, he always seeks to honor the father. He loves his bride, he loves his children. He said, "I won't. I won't stay right here." Do you know, in his hands and in his sides, he still bears the marks of the bond slave. He said. Kurt, I won't leave without you. That's what it is. He's the bond slave. Turn to Isaiah forty two. <clears throat> so see, when he came, he was God's righteous servant. He came to serve him, he came to honor him, and he did. Isaiah 42, verse 1, behold my servant. When you think about that, you behold his servant. You consider his, my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect. There's only one elect. He's mine elect. In whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up his, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break and smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall shall not fail nor be discouraged. Well, who's he talking about? His servant. He didn't fail. He accomplished it. I'm so glad this morning he accomplished salvation. He didn't try, and he's not discouraged. It seems like sometimes we try something and we get overwhelmed, and we just get we just get discouraged. and most time when you get discouraged, you just quit. How would you feel if all your friends forsook you? How would you feel? How would you feel if they walked up and just spit right in your face? How would you feel if they walked up and just jerked the beard off you? How would would you feel? All men forsook him. Nobody showed him any pity. There's not many would have, none of us would have done that. Not many, but none of us. He did. Why? He's God's righteous servant. You know what he did in the garden? He said, not my will, but thine be done he sweat and he was in such agony his sweat became as great drops of blood and the angels had to come and encourage him that's god's servant he shall not be discouraged till he set judgment in the earth and he will and the owl shall wait for his law you know what he owns it It's his. You are his. I am his. We're all his, and he can do with us as he sees fit. Why? He's Lord, and he he bought. He paid the debt. He bought the sovereign right to rule over all men. We look at it from the earthly side. we, We say Jesus was born. Looking at it from heaven's side, the angel said, He emptied himself. Yeah, if you think about it, them shepherds are out there watching over their sheep. And why did the angel come to them? said, I have good news of great joy, peace on earth, and goodwill to all men. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Who is Christ the Lord? He's born. And they were chosen. And they went. And he humbled himself. And he found, and being found, and being found in fashion as a man. Makes me think when our Lord came to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a short man of statute. He wanted to see our Lord. And you know what he did? Oh, I think he's going to come by that right down there, past that sycamore tree. And he outrun everybody, and he climbed up that tree. Why did he climb that tree? He wanted to see the Lord. He didn't know what he looked like. He had heard about him, but he never saw him. Well, how is he going to recognize him in all that crowd? What's he going to look like? What's he going to act like? Is he going to, he going to stand out, or is he going to be look just like the rest of them? He looks just like the rest of them. <laughs> And you know when Zacchaeus knew who he was? Zacchaeus is up there looking and said, well, where's he at? They said he was coming by here. I I just don't know which one it is. He knew who he was when our Lord looked up and said, Zacchaeus. And he looked down at the Lord and he said, you come down from there. I'm going to your house. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. One day the disciples were sitting there, and their feet were dirty because you wore sandals, and everywhere you went, you just, you know, your feet are just filthy. And he gets, puts a towel around him, and he gets a little basin of water, and he starts, and he washes their feet as a common slave. And when he was done, that towel was probably filthy. Why did he do that? You know, Peter said, You ain't washing my feet. He said, If I don't, you don't have any part with me. He humbled himself. You know what I just thought about? You can't humble yourself. He could, and he did. We're talking about, he said, humble yourselves. Be have the mind of Christ. Our Lord was really a man. Not just in appearance, but in reality. He knew hunger. He knew thirst. He knew weariness. He knew grief. He knew pain. And you know it doesn't say, but you know he witnessed Joseph dying. He witnessed that, and it probably broke Mary's heart. He he witnessed that. We we know that his friend, when his friend Lazarus died, he wept. Why did he do that? He loved those people. He endured weariness, pain, death. His real submission and obedience, from the cradle to the cross is our example. You want to know what he requires? This is it right here. Isn't that right? That's what he requires. That's what he requires. You say, well, I, I can't do that. I know you can. But what he requires, he gives. I know this. He's never saved a sinner without humbling him. And he's never saved a sinner who he doesn't keep. Humbling. Pride goes before a fall. When our Lord came to this earth and became incarnate, though he took that which he had before, let me read this. When our Lord came to this earth and became incarnate, though he took that which he had not before, he took what? Human nature. He lost nothing of what he had. Can you, would you want? To, I'd like for you to explain it. <laughs> this is our example of humility and love. You know who he loved. It seems like he picked out the very worst of the bunch. Tamar and Bathsheba and Ruth and, and Rahab's the off-scouring of the world. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. You're a sinner. I got good news for sinners. I didn't know how I was going to work. You see, and I went by and saw my sister, Mandy's mother. She's actually been in that home, nursing home, for the last 16 years, and she's only one year older than I am. And while me and Sandy was in there visiting with her, there was a lady out in the hall said, I want a drink of water. I want a drink of water. I want a drink of water. You know what I thought about? The rich man in hell. For all eternity, he's going to say, I want a drink of water. Are you thirsty? Christ said, come to me. I can't find anybody thirsty. Can I have a drink of water? Sandy said, You know, you imagine hearing that about 15 minutes, that'd get on your nerves. Her mind's probably about gone. I want to drink of water. You know what? I want to drink of water. He is the water of life. As our representative, he obeyed the law perfectly, he humbled himself. Now listen, no one took his life. He said, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Nobody takes it from me. When he had fulfilled all scriptures, and you know what he said? I thirst. And they gave him vinegar mingled with gall to try to deaden his pain, and he wouldn't take it. When it was all done, he said, It is finished. God's servant had finished the job. Romans 5, verse 19 For by one man's disobedience, Adam's, many were made sinners. So, by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That is, that is, sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life with Jesus Christ our Lord. Who reigns now? Grace reigns. Verses 9 through 11. Our Lord emptied himself. To save his people. He was obedient unto death. He died to put away sin for his elect. Do you mean to say when he died, and he had to be born to die? God cannot die, and man cannot satisfy. That's in the bulletin today. But God, the God-man can both die And satisfy. He had to shed his blood. And you know what it did? It put away all the sin of all the elect for all time. And he gave him a name which is above every name. (laughs) But at the name of what? Jesus. Jesus. The name of his humiliation. What is he to be named? You call his name Jesus, for he shall what? Save his people from their sins. He's given him a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee's going to bow, and every tongue's going to confess. This will happen. This is speaking to every one of us. Every one of us will either bow later or we bow now. But you will bow, and you will acknowledge that he is rightful Lord over you, and he can do with you as he sees fit. He can show you mercy, or he'll leave you alone. But everybody's going to bow. He's going to put the goats on one hand and the sheep on the other. But everybody's gonna bow. That I ain't bowing. Yeah, you will. And you know what? You're gonna see him sitting on a throne. He's the Lord of the living and the dead. He humbled himself and was exalted. We want to be exalted without humbling ourselves. We must look to him as our only hope. What does this mean, preacher? Nobody else may not know what you're going through. Nobody else may not know what's going on in your mind right now, but he does. I love that scripture. He is able to be felt with the feelings of my infirmities. Whatever you, whatever you feel, loneliness, fear, discouragement, anything whatever you feel, he feels it. He feels it. I'm thankful he's on the throne. I'm glad he came. And I'm glad like the, I hope you'll read that article in the bulletin by Henry. I don't know how many times I've put it in the bulletin, but it never gets old. People are forced. We don't know when he's born. We're not celebrating a day. But everybody is forced to think about it to consider it.